Welcome to the Rethink ELA podcast, hosted by English language arts teacher, Michelle Waters. Prepare to receive strategies, products, and expert advice tailored to help teachers build social awareness, student agency and voice in their ELA classrooms. Welcome to the Rethink ELA podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Boyd-Waters. A few months ago, the director at my university's writing center gave me a practitioner article written by a teacher who started a writing center in her high school. As I read that article, I realized that this is what I'd tried to do at my own high school, but I hadn't really known exactly what I was doing, and so um, as the only English teacher, I didn't have the time or the resources to invest in building a full-fledged writing center that was accessible by all the students in my school. So I ended up just working with the ones that were in my classes and who could show up either before school, at lunch, or after school, one day a week. So anyway, after reading this article, I went to class and told one of my professors about it and some of the students that were in the class, and now I'm working on piloting a high school writing center as part of my dissertation research. I think my head's still kind of spinning from that. (laughs) As I've talked about this idea with other educators, we've discussed uh, building a writing culture and, you know, how does that look in a high school? Um, And how does one build a culture. As I pondered that question and what the answers looked like in my classroom and how I could have done a better job of building culture, I thought about Andre Doughty. Andre knows how to build a healthy academic culture in his school, and I've listened to him speak at events in person and through his podcast. He's known, liked, and trusted in my education circles as someone who is focused on the students and helping them grow academically. So I knew I wanted to interview him to talk about building that culture. In today's episode, We'll talk about building trust and healthy relationships so that students can feel safe and trust us to have their best interests at heart. And so we'll get started after these messages. Students need to write on a daily basis to build their writing confidence and stamina. But how do you work this all in with all the other skills and concepts you're required to teach? Rethink ELA has the answer for you. In just 5 to 20 minutes a day, you can provide narrative, informative, argumentative, and reflective writing practice with student-centered daily quick writes. Learn more at RethinkELA.com slash 180. That's RethinkELA.com slash, and get this, it's the numerals, 180. Welcome back to Rethink ELA. I'm your host, Michelle Boyd-Waters, and today I have Andre Doughty with me. Andre, I'm so glad that you were able to join us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So I have kind of been in some of the same educational circles as you Mm -hmm. have. Um, I remember, gosh, it was maybe 10 years ago being in some of your um, presentations and getting to kind of hear your message and experience your energy. And I've just always remembered that and thought that you are kind of the type of educator that one should aspire to be. And I so, appreciate that. Yeah. Those are the <laughs> early days back then. Yeah. 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 And so I'm sure you've grown even more since then. And mm-hmm. um, hopefully I can have the opportunity to be in some more of your presentations, but um, until then, I am so excited to have you here on the podcast and get uh-huh. to ask you some questions and find out all about kind of who you are as an educator and what it means to build culture. Yeah, I remember those days. Those days were the the <laughs> dream big days. And mm-hmm. I even remember a few times when sitting there, I was like, this is the dream. This is what yeah. I 
this is where my purpose is. I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong. I love teaching. I love education. I love being in the classroom. But like you said, being at those workshops, it was like, this is the purpose. This is the meaningful yeah. work that I've been wanting to do. So kind of what led you to get to that point? Yeah. So I I was the kid in the class, always silly, giggling. You know, <laughs> if if I had a pencil, that was my snare drum. Yep, my hand yep. was the bass drum. I was whistling, singing, yep. humming. I was a kid who could do the work, you know. Uh, my mom's yeah. an educator. And so the work was no problem. The problem was after the work, there was mm-hmm. nothing to do. I got yeah. tired of going to like the listening center with the big old earphones. And <laughs> I got tired of the audio, you know, where you hear the beep, beep. And that meant like to turn the page. I, I was tired of all of that. So uh, I would cut up. Yeah. And then get kicked out of class or miss recess or have five check marks. So I remember uh, being in band, and that was the changing point for me, uh, fine art. And knowing that, oh, I'm not in trouble for making these beats. Like, I'm not in trouble for humming this song. I'm actually doing musical theory without knowing that I'm doing musical theory. Yep, yep. And he's Uh, like, I want you to do that. Yeah, like that was a gift. And I think mm-hmm. that's what makes it so important for us as like educators is to find the gifts in students and yes. not call those gifts, you know, harmful or bad or inappropriate or whatever it may be. Uh, yes. I the kid sitting being, back there making a beat, he needs to go join the band. Right. Like, like literally, seriously. <laughs> yes. I remember uh, even, you know, <laughs> I'll tell him myself here. Uh, you know, I used to have the report card. And the Mm -hmm. comments would always say, Andre talks too much. And I remember having one teacher who was like, Andre, talk. And I'm like, I can't because you're going to write, I talk too much on my comments. And, you know, during report card time. And she was like, no, talk. And so she gave me the freedom to speak. And I realized that is also a gift. That is just a talent. Um, And so I just really appreciate the educators in my life and the community in my life who didn't see like some of these talents and these gifts as harmful, but saw them as the strengths that I needed. And yeah, that's those what were catapulted not deficits, me. Those were strengths. Right, right. That's what catapulted me uh, towards education because I wanted to do the same thing. I saw the students and I was like, if these teachers did that for me, I wonder how many of these other students have these same gifts and talents and they're not getting that chance. Yep. And so instead of me becoming a band person or, you know, I mean, I even had an album. I created an album and I had like all these CDs and I was going to be the next Stevie Wonder. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But not in Oklahoma, you're not going to be the next Stevie Wonder. Not at all. That's not happening. Uh, And so I remember just saying to myself, instead of touring with this CD and, you know, gigging over the weekends, I'm just going to be an elementary educator and use those same things, use those tools in class. And that's exactly what happened. And over the years, just having opportunities to do workshops and speaking to other teachers. And that ended up to where you saw me in 2012, uh, starting off on this journey and this dream. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And just hearing your story just Mm -hmm. confirms how important it is when you as when we as educators look at our kids to see those strengths, because I've kind of got a similar story in that teachers, you know, I was a quiet, shy kid. I was kind of the opposite. I was like hiding behind the flowers on the wall. 
Uh-huh. But teachers saw that I could write and they encouraged me, starting with my third grade teacher, my sixth grade teacher, seventh grade. I got a whole essay about how I got called to the principal's office the first day of eighth grade and it all had something to do with writing and in a good way. Um, and I am who I am today and where I am today because those teachers saw some yeah. saw my strengths and encouraged me. Absolutely. And I that's what I'm hearing from you too. And it's it's I'm guessing or it's sounding like that's the culture that we're talking about, right? Exactly. I mean, that's I mean, think of of your favorite teachers. Mm-hmm. The reason why they're your favorite teachers is because they saw something in you or they pushed you, or they saw greatness in you, and they wouldn't let you be lazy, or they saw that you were shy and quiet, and they said, you can do more. Uh, I even think yeah. of my the first high school principal who really mattered, and she's a, a Oklahoma Educator of the Year. She's in the wow. Hall of Fame. She's all these things. Her name was uh, Mrs. Henderson, Joyce Henderson. Mm-hmm. And little did I know at the time, Mrs. Joyce Henderson's teacher was the famous Clara Looper. But I remember Joyce Henderson being at Star Spencer High School in Oklahoma City, and Uh she would see us in the hall, and she would stop me and say, hello, Mr. Dowdy. Now, how in the world do you know every student in the school? But she did. (laughs) And she said, I can't wait to see you do more. Oh, you're going to have a great day today. I can't wait to hear the good things that you're going to do in class. Like, she was speaking life into all of us. And that's the culture inside of a school. And I mean, for me on the days that I didn't want to do stuff, she would say, oh, I can't wait to hear about how your day's going. Like she would just speak life into us. Mm -hmm. And I now think back to that and all the times that I tell students or tell colleagues or even when I was, you know, teaching uh, at the collegiate level, telling them as well, like, I can't wait to see you do these great things. And that was just the same culture that was built. And I'm just giving that opportunity to share back out to others. Absolutely. And it it seems to me, too, that's really easy to do with the kids that kind of are on the same wavelength with you or the kids that enjoy the same things that you enjoy. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm an English teacher. So those kids that, you know, like to write or those kids that like to read, it's easy to do that with them. But if you go, you can make such a difference in a kid's life if you find those kids who are always getting in trouble in class, Mm -hmm. who drive you nuts. 180 days a year for three solid years and figure out what that kid's strength is and encourage that kid in that strength. Absolutely. And those are the kids that they surprise you, but they really don't surprise you. Yeah. Like I remember one time um, I was in this middle school class and I was like an instructional coach for like this Uh district. And I went to this school and this one student was in the corner. The desk was in the corner. The student's desk was facing the opposite way of like the interactive whiteboard and the rest of the class. So, of course, I automatically noticed that this student is ostracized by himself. And so in the middle of this lesson that I'm observing, uh, the teacher's phone goes off. And it's like a country western song like, uh, I got friends in low oh place. I mean, and, and I mean, it's going off. And this teacher is... <laughs> is puzzled like my 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 son got me this and i don't know how to turn this thing up i mean she's pushing buttons and when she does that that kid in the back his eyes glow up and i recognize this and i'm like can he have a chance to fix it and she looked at me and then she looked at him then she looked at me then she looked at him and you could tell in her eyes she was like not him and i'm giving her the eye like let him turn it off 
So she gives him the phone reluctantly. And I mean, within seconds, he turns it off and he explains it to her. This is how you turn it (laughs) off. In perfect sequence. Push this button. Go here. Push this. Push that. And she's looking at him like, (gasps) and he's engaged for the rest of the class period. At the end of the day, he walks out. He says, see you later. And now in my mind, uh, at the end of that period, in my mind, I'm saying every day, turn on your volume. Every day, your phone needs to go off because you've just hooked this student. And so the next time I had a chance to talk to her, she said that that's exactly it. Every, Every class period, she comes in and when she sees him at the door, she says, can you make sure that my phone is turned to buzz or whatever the the, the notifications were? Yes. And he's like, absolutely. Uh, the next time I went to visit them, he was no longer in that corner. He was yeah. back with the rest of the class. <laughs> and that was just the building of the culture. She needed to build a relationship. Yeah. And instead of her seeing you know, him as a person who's always in trouble, always talking uh, out of the loop, she found a way to include him, and uh, I, I just absolutely loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've had kids do stuff like, you know, fix one of my tables. One one of the legs was too short, and so oh, yeah. it was a round table. They rolled it out to the um, shop class or whatever it was out there and fixed the table and rolled it back in and mm-hmm. um, just asking you know kids or seeing kids strengths and seeing who they are and in engaging them um one of the things that i've done too at the end of the year like the last um nine weeks we do independent studies and i've had mm-hmm. kids build things like um a whole sound box that had speakers it had the whole it had the whole sound system Mm -hmm. and they did a presentation over why they chose the materials that they chose what they built the box out of how they you know set up the design wiring all of that um and then we got to take it outside and give it a test and then our principal asked them to um dj the chalk festival wow and that that makes a big difference Oh, yeah. Imagine oh, that yeah. kid from now on. That kid now, you just not only embraced that kid's dopeness and also included that kid in the, in the classroom. Now that kid is like, wait, this actually works. I'm going to yep. build this at home. I'm going yep. to show <laughs> other people how this can work in their setting. I absolutely love that. Absolutely. And he, you know, I found out, you know, he's very mechanically inclined and mm-hmm. he's in his twenties now and owns his own little automotive shop and oh, kind of does some other work on the side and stuff. But he's just known in that area as somebody who is, you can fix your stuff for you. Mm-hmm. That is and, you, know, you just have to see that in people and, and encourage them. And, you know, from what I hearing you're, you talking about, it's establishing that trust with them. Yeah, there's a quote that um, says, and and I first heard this guy speak this quote, uh, my entry year of teaching. So I graduated Mm -hmm. Langston University in 2000, and like the fall of 2000, for a PD day, they told us to go to this one place, and I'm hearing this guy speak. His name was Dr. Jawanza Kanjufu, and he Uh said, if you observe students, they will teach you how to teach them. Exactly. And I mean, that changed my entire philosophy. I was already the on the team of, you know, all students can learn and all kids can okay. learn. But when he said that, that next day, my eyes were pinpointed on the student 
and observing them. Let me see how yeah. they look, how they look, how they think, how they talk inside of class, outside of class, in the hallway, on the way home, when they're in the cafeteria. I mean, all mm-hmm. these places. And by doing that, I saw their dopeness. And yeah. that was establishing the trust. Like, I see where you are strong. So I'm going to let you be strong in those areas. I also see where you're weak. And if you allow me, I'll help you build those weaknesses to strengths. And so it's like a give and a get, an ebb and a flow. And when you have that established trust, man, everybody's winning. Yourself, them, the parents, their academic scores, the test scores. I mean, of course, we don't really focus just on test scores, but (laughs) like everybody wins when you establish that trust. I, hearing this and thinking back to my career, mm-hmm. I think I started out, I put the cart before the horse. I was looking at, and I'm going to throw some curriculum theory in here because that's the class I'm in this semester. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was starting out with the scholar academic. We're going to, you know, invite these kids into the academy, so to speak, and we're going to make writers out of them, and we're going to have them passing these tests and writing these essays and doing all of this. And I started with that, and the kids were like, what? But it wasn't until I realized, wait a second, I got to start with the kids, with yeah. where they are right now, what's important mm-hmm. to them right now, who they are right now. And then once I've done that, then I can push them to the scholar academic. And yeah. it took me about five years to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my first time I was um I was helping at a local college here and mm-hmm. I was supposed to do tech for administrators. Mm-hmm. And so I'm helping these potential educators become, you know, getting their masters in educational leadership and other things. And they're yeah. all in the classroom and the first day of class they were like, "What are these tech gadgets?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that's that's not this class. I know that's what this class says." But I'm just not going to give you a whole bunch of tech stuff. Before we do this, go to this website for me real quick. And I had them do like a SWOT analysis, basically. Uh You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are some of the opportunities that you have? What are your threats? Or who are the threats? And I had them fill it out. And then we do a turn and talk. You know, now talk about your strengths to somebody else. What are you really good in? Because you all are going to be a cohort. And so I don't have to be the only teacher. You have other colleagues. You have other people, <laughs> other peers. And and before the end of that class, everybody had already grabbed phone numbers and text yep. messages. And they were already creating their own little group chats. And, and that's what it was about. We were establishing that trust to learn. And there yep. were some areas where people were weak. But those weaknesses were other people's strengths. And Absolutely. that cohort, can... uh, it was it was such a, a, an amazing experience because they, like I said, they, they came in there here thinking that I was just going to teach tech. And I was like, <laughs> nah, that's not real life. Real life, no. the tech will change. But these relationships, the trust that you're learning and you're building, that goes beyond the tech. And I think... We can do that with our kids, too. We have to put aside the tech. We have to put aside the lesson plan or the curriculum. And we have to start with the kids right in front of us. And and once I did that, once I realized that I needed to partner with them and to help figure out what they needed to learn and how to teach them and started Mm -hmm. listening to them, that's when everything changed. Agreed. 100% agreed. Um, They got a chance to see, like, some of my weaknesses. 
And I mean, that's yep. a very vulnerable place, right? As educator, yeah. we're normally the go all, be all, do all. We're supposed to have all the answers. But to tell students, hey, I, I may not know that answer. Or I'm not very familiar with that part. Or <laughs> let's discover this together in research. Hey, Siri. Hey, Google. Or whatever it may be. Yep. You know, let's, yep. let's, let's dig into this a little bit more. Once again, that's, that's building that trust. And then they see that you're just as human as they are. Absolutely. And it also gives you that opportunity to show them that process of how to go from, I don't know to, Oh, okay, here's, here's an answer. And it's especially important when you're a writing teacher, because kids just assume that, you know, whatever that wonderful thing is that that author wrote just fell out of their head in the way it looks in the book. And that's Uh not the way that happens at all. (laughs) (laughs) They need to see me with a blank sheet of paper going, okay, what am I going to (laughs) say? Or how does that sound? They need to see that draft full of all the suggestions, comments, strike throughs, Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Yes. And even I write something down, show them my first draft and give them access as commenters in that Google Doc and see what their recommendations are for how to make it better or what questions did I uh, make you or what questions do you have as a result of what I wrote or, you know, what what do you suggest? Uh-huh. And kids have been able to, to, it helps kids think as writers. And, and when you do that and you share that process with them, that builds trust. And when you, you encourage them to share that process with each other, like working with groups, you know, self-chosen groups and virtually or in person, that helps build, again, that trust. And kind of a one kid said, it's like it's like we're a family. Yeah. You know, we do quick writes and we learn stuff about each other that we didn't even know. And we've known each other since kindergarten. Right, right. Um, it also, I, lo- I love that because not only are you family, but what family members see is that transparency. Like you're not putting yeah. on a mask during those times. Yeah, <laughs> You can actually see what I wrote and I misspelled this word or I didn't get this phrase out the way that I needed to get it out. And now you can help me reframe it better or you can mm-hmm. help me spell it better or give me some of the ways that you approach a letter, a thesis, a a paragraph, a topic. And so, yeah, I, I love that idea. It reminds me of uh, one of the things I share with students, especially uh-huh. like today's students, because I don't know about your class, but in my classroom, when we would write that first draft, they thought that that was it. <laughs> like, it's not what it did. I'm sorry. I'm done. Maybe no. we'll give you a second, but no, don't tell me to rewrite this whole thing. And so one of the discussions that we had was um, think about the technology that you grew up with. I mean, and so like for what I would do, I would ask the students, what is the latest version of the iPhone? And they would tell me, you know, the iPhone, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm team Android here, so I really don't know. But they would say, you know, the iPhone 25 plus. Then I would say, so there were 24 other revisions. Mm -hmm. And then it got them to think. And then I quickly go through the history of the phone and how the very first phone was very heavy because uh, it was on Saved by the Bell or Magnum (laughs) P.I. And it was this big old chunky thing, you know, back to the... It'd be funny would be to bring them version one and say, do you want this? Right. (laughs) Or we remember the flip phones and how those things Mm -hmm. were so heavy. 
And the only yeah. game you could play was Snake. <laughs> <laughs> and how they evolved over time and how even yeah. the first iPhone didn't have apps. And how yeah. it wasn't until I think iPhone 4S where the app uh, the app started to explode in a good way. And, you know, you uh-huh. had all these developers making these different things. and Or even if you've got a Samsung, there was a Samsung where the battery blew up. They needed oh. to revise. Yeah. And by them having those constant revisions, making it better, we now have what we have today. And so it yep. really helped the students understand, like, yeah, maybe I don't want the first draft. Then I asked them, how many of you all want the very first iPhone all over again? And they were like, no, <laughs> no, we want the newer one. We want the Thanks one with the great camera lens. You know, we want the mm-hmm. one with the blah, 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 blah. Like, exactly. Yep. So what would you say from all that we've talked about, you know, building trust and, mm-hmm. and writing and revisions? And I love the whole revision um, analogy or m- metaphor that we've got going on here. I've, I've got lots of thoughts with that. <laughs> but of all of this, what would you say is the most important takeaway for an English teacher? Em- embrace who the students are. Yeah. Um, so when I taught ELA, this is our middle school days here. Um, when I taught mm-hmm. ELA, each student came in with their own unique style. Yep. And I would see it in their dress when they walked in. I would see it in their uh, in their demeanor, how they walked to like our rotations, our workshop times. I would I would hear it in the language in the hallway, and then you would see it on their work. Uh, yep. I'm a person who says the word dope a lot, and I used to try to hide that word. And even my children are like, dad, no one says dope anymore. But to me, I'm like, dope is still a great word. But that's who I am. And that's the style that I have. So in my writing, I can be educated, well-educated, and Uh I can give you academic language and vocabulary, but I'm going to also give you who I am personality-wise. And you can make it dope, right? And I can make it dope. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that's the same thing I think we as educators need to embrace. Our students come inside of our classrooms with all these experiences. Allow them to embrace those experiences in their writing, in their work. Yes. I used to question why did E.E. Cummins never capitalize letters? (laughs) And the only answer I got from my teacher was, that was the style. Yeah. Oh. So you're telling me that I don't have to do it this way. And they were like, for this grade, yes. But in your writing, no. (laughs) So why should that grade, though? Why? Yeah. <laughs> so now it makes me wonder the same thing. Think of the students in our classrooms. Think of the our peers and, and their style. Yeah. Allow their style to, to filter into their work. Yeah. It becomes more personable to them. They'll have easier that, buy-in because it is their style. Yes. And, and that's why I like to start out with narratives, with students writing their story. Because oh, that point. helps me see their style and it's an easy way for them to start because they already know a, they have all the answers. They just need to get it written down, you know, mm-hmm. whether they use Google voice typing or whatever it takes. And then I can see who they are as writers. And then I can start helping them, you know, add that academic language or figure out how to do that research or how to write that paper in their style. Absolutely. And I can't think of the dude's name, uh, but at one time, 
I, I, once again, I'm a musician. So, so oftentimes mm-hmm. I link what I remember as a musician into the world of education. And I there's a reason why so many artists choose the genre in which they sing and or perform. Uh-huh. Because that is the style that best fits them. And yeah. I remember Garth Brooks at one time said, I'm going to try a different style. Yeah. <laughs> and he went alternative. <laughs> I cannot remember. I think it was like Chris something. Uh, but oh, Garth I Brooks, remember that. He, 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 went, he went, took off the cowboy hat, uh, colored his hair black. It was down uh-huh. to his eyebrows and, uh-huh. and, it didn't go so well because that was not his style. Yeah, I think George Strait did something like that too at one point. There's a reason why yep. the the artists that we love and the artists that we support, the reason why they do that music is because that is their style. That is yep. their zone of genius. That is what we appreciate. Now, we also appreciate those who do color outside of the box because that's what they want to do. That's their business. Yep. But I'm when I'm thinking like for our students, have them to embrace it. When you come Absolutely. in and and in your own personal writing and your own narratives, you want to throw your street slang in there or your AAVE or some of your home language, go for it. Yeah. But also be able to explain that language, <laughs> what those idioms mean uh, yes. for others who may not get it. It is a way for us all to build a trust. And, and that's where that you also have to take into consideration your message and your audience. Mm-hmm. And the audience shouldn't be just me as the English teacher. Right. Let's pick a relevant audience. And so if a kid's writing a letter, for example, they're going to write a different letter to their best friend than they would write to their grandma. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And once again, that gives us just as educators a chance to to scoop back, step back, observe the students, because they will teach us how to teach them. Absolutely. Well, you know what? This has been a great interview, and I've got a lot of stuff to think about, and (laughs) I really appreciate your time um, with us and and sharing your wisdom. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, I, we're just talking. That's all we're doing. We're just having a conversation. That's all we're doing. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Are you looking for ways to help your students write vivid sensory descriptions? Searching for ways to convince them to use their writing tools after an extended break? The Rethink ELA Explode the Moment Narrative Writing Unit features mentor text and exercises to help your students improve their skills within the context of their own stories or the ones they make up. Start with a favorite memory, like the best day ever, or write about a time when they felt important, or choose another positive memory or story that they love to tell. Then share the unit's mentor text for students to study the writer's craft. What worked well? What could the writer have done differently? What would you have written if you responded to that prompt? Even better, I've included a new version of my own essay that you can use to show students how I added, removed, and moved sentences and paragraphs from one version to the next. Once students have written and revised their personal narratives, they can share with their peers, enter contests, or get published. Order your unit now at rethinkela.com etmproject. Thank you for listening to Rethink ELA Podcast. I'm Michelle Waters, and I can't wait to give you a few resources I've developed to help you create a student-centered, collaborative, and creative learning environment. Download these resources when you join our mailing list at rethinkela.com news.